That's right, it's the Chief Zone. I'm your host, Farzine Vasugi, and thank you for downloading and listening to another edition of the Chief Zone Podcast. If you're a first-time listener, thank you and welcome to the show. If you're on iTunes, be sure you click the subscribe button and listen anytime. Get the newest episode anytime it comes out when you log in to iTunes. And then feel free to interact with me on social media. You guys can like my Facebook page, Farzine Vesugi, and give it a like. Interact with me on there. You guys can also follow me on Twitter, at Farzine21. Give me a follow and interact with me through there. Uh, a lot of good things happening in Kansas City lately. The Royals are off to a 2-0 start in the World Series. The Chiefs snapped that losing streak. Sporting Kansas City gets a playoff berth. So things are looking up a little bit in, in uh, professional sports in Kansas City. College teams, uh, not so much. Uh, both, uh, or all, all I should say, all three local schools, KU, K-State, and MU, uh, if I'm not mistaken, all three of them uh, suffering a three-game losing streak right now. I mean, for KU, that's kind of expected. K-State surprisingly, uh, gosh, giving away leads, uh, had that recent blowout, the worst loss in under Bill Snyder, and then Missouri has really fallen off too. So uh, I think all the college football fans are uh, are leaning on the Royals right now. Everyone's uh, uniting. Uh, you know, whether you're a Jayhawk, a Wildcat, a Tiger, you're all now a Royal now, trying to trying to get something positive going in your sports life. So the Royals hopefully can get that going. We've got a lot to cover here on the Chiefs, and of course we've got the Chiefs and Lions preview. And I want to touch on. The whole London deal, because that's a big story. A lot of people are talking about it. Uh, some positive, some negative, mostly negative from the fans' perspective. Of course, this is something the NFL loves. They're gaining a lot out of this. Uh, I've got a lot to say about this whole thing. We just had a game in London the previous week. There are three every year, or at least now that's the format that they're trying to follow. They may have even more with Mexico City now being a partner in this, but We'll get into that, but before we do that, we're going to go around the NFL, and it starts now. All right, we've got a little time to waste on this podcast, so let's go ahead and get right into it. The first topic of two that I want to touch on, number one, Greg Hardy from the Dallas Cowboys. All right, look, they didn't need to learn his lesson in the first half. I mean, things are really out of hand. If I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan, I do not feel comfortable or nor, nor confident with what's going on with that team in the locker room on the field uh, this uh, this kind of hostile attitude can be bad especially when it when it comes to morale I mean it, it'll damage morale for those who don't know Greg Hardy had an aggressive altercation on the sideline with Des Bryant who of course has yet to play this year he no showed practice last week Per Ian Rappaport of NFL Network, he just recently returned from a four-game suspension due to a 2014 domestic violence incident that led the Panthers to let him go. He slaps the clipboard off of the hands of the special teams coordinator. This is pretty ugly. Jason Garrett, head coach, said publicly in a press conference that he would uh, Greg Hardy will not be disciplined. Jerry Jones spoke out basically tried to BS the media and says, quote, that's the kind of thing that inspires a football team. He's just getting the guys ready to play, in my view. I don't have any issues with him being involved in motivating or pushing in any part of the football team because he plays and walks the walk. 
Really? That's a lot of BS. If you buy that, you're really gullible. But 99.9999989% of us know that that's, that's complete, utter BS. Alright, that is bad. Remember what happened with Larry Johnson a few years ago? The Chiefs released him because they knew that it was just not going to fly in the locker room. This is a pretty serious issue. And now you have the Cowboys lying to our faces saying, this is not an issue. It's good because he's motivating the team. He's a leader. Since when does a leader go and slap the clipboard off of a, a coach's hands? Have an altercation with Des Bryant. Last I checked, the Dallas Cowboys will probably rally around Des Bryant than they would before rallying around Greg Hardy. The Dallas Cowboys, number one, this is a bad issue. But to lie about it, that's a separate thing. Don't lie to us and tell us everything's good and that this is normal. It's not. Alright, if you see the video that's gone viral of Jerry Jones basically making the statement, you can see a female reporter in the background give the, the strangest face like, okay, yeah, like a lot of weird stuff is just spewing out of your mouth. I mean, you can just see the face in the background from that reporter. This is not anything I buy. Look, it's when it, when a company does something wrong, that's one thing. But then when the company, and this is very common, when they speak out about this, they try to cover it up and shield it, whatever they can do to make it seem like everything's okay. Stop sugarcoating things. We all know something's wrong and something's got to be done about it. Last thing I want to talk about, this one's pretty interesting. You all remember the suck for luck campaign several years ago with Andrew Luck. Everyone wanted Andrew Luck on their team. They wanted to lose that the 2011 season. And look, I was on that bandwagon. I mean, things weren't looking good for the Chiefs. Matt Castle just wasn't the guy. And there was a lot of talk as to whether or not general managers and head coaches, former head coaches and general managers at at the time, all saying whether or not they think it's worth losing out for a guy like Andrew Luck. And Look, Andrew Luck's been great ever since he went to Indianapolis. And remember, he was highly touted as a quarterback entering the draft. And he's looked great since then. Now he's getting booed by his own fan base. Now, the crazy thing is the Colts are sitting atop the AFC South with a very thin 3-4 and record. Very weak division with all teams within two games of one another. But... Look, there, there's a long way to go, and I'm not I'm not trying to defend Andrew Luck. I think definitely a very disappointing season from him this year and from the Colts as well. But to be 3-4 and four right now, being in first place, hey, look, that's the best division to be in right now. Uh, much better than being in, you know, a place like the AFC West where you have the Broncos going undefeated. Or, hey, how about the NFC South where you have the Panthers and the Falcons, two very good football teams, Continuing to to play at a high level, I mean, if you're three and four in that division, good luck to you. At least in the AFC South, the Colts have a fighting chance uh, to to not just win, to not just make the playoffs. But look, if you're going to make the playoffs in the AFC South, you're probably going to do it by winning the division, not by getting the one of the two wild card spots. So the Colts could ultimately still have a postseason game at home in Indianapolis. Long way to go, Colts fans. Long way to go. All right, let's get into the Chiefs and Lions game. But before we get into that, I really want to touch on the the London stuff. Because 
for the longest time, I've hated this. I've heard from the national media about how this affects the teams in a way where, first off, I never heard a lot of outrage from other fan bases about how one team is losing a home game. But there's been talk about, you know, the traveling, the the day of preparation, one day of preparation you pretty much lose because when you consider connecting flights and having to go through security and you know loading and then unloading from a plane, it takes a really long time to get to London. All right? I mean anyone in the United States who has been to you know, a place like Toronto or, or Cancun, you know, somewhere else in, in the North America, it still takes a good amount of time to get there because of connecting flights, having to go, go through customs, and then just obviously the loading and unloading. So that all takes a while. To get to London, look, I, I didn't look this up. I, I don't care to know how long it takes, but it doesn't take a genius to know that it could take half a day to get to London when you consider the process uh, from boarding and all the way getting to basically the other side of the world. Now, here's something interesting. Last week's game between the Jaguars and the Bills was available for everyone in the Jacksonville and Buffalo areas on CBS, but for the rest of us, it was available on Yahoo, basically a streaming device. Now, I think streaming, it's really interesting, interesting to see where this is going. So many of us stream events online if we don't have the channels for them i mean the royals were playing on fox sports one for a very long time so people kept if you didn't have cable or if you were even at work because a lot of the games were in the afternoon if you were wanting to catch the royals you probably went on a stream <laughs> front row sports uh look uh, str- streaming online is very i mean it's 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 uphill right now it's it's climbing and look on my ipad i i had time warner cable i've switched to at&t uverse uh, I, I've downloaded the apps for both Tom Warner Cable back when I had it and also for AT&T Uverse. You can watch events on TV as long as you have it connected on your iPad. Or even on, they have the iPhone app too. You can even watch on the iPhone. What's nice is you can record if you're not in front of your DVR. But sometimes what I'll do is if I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of The Walking Dead. So look, if the Royals are playing Sunday night, I, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna delay watching The Walking Dead. All right, I mean it's it's a pretty big show. People obviously tweet what happens on the show. So what I what I do is I'll watch The Walking Dead on TV, and then on my iPad I'll pull up the Royals game. I'll, I'll go on the AT&T app, and look, you don't necessarily have to hear the Royals game. You can watch the action on on your device, and have the volume down, and watch you know whatever you want on your TV. And I've done that for a couple of NFL games too. You know, I'll watch the Chiefs on CBS and then I'll pull up Fox on the AT&T Uverse app and I'll watch, you know, if there's another game on there, I'll I'll watch it. I'll, I'll enjoy both of, both of them at once. The thing with Yahoo and what they did, first of all, this is pretty impressive. They had the live stream going. The first ever live stream in a football game attracted 33.6 million total views. First off, that's impressive as hell because... The Jaguars and Bills, I don't want to say both teams are terrible, but uh, those aren't the two most exciting teams. I I mean, Jaguars versus Bills, that doesn't necessarily scream playoff preview to me. I mean, that's your typical boring regular season game. Again, nothing too exciting. It's not a a game that will be flexed to Sunday night football by all means. But fans want to see their football. So, and here's what 
I'm really interested in as how I'll spend my Sunday. Obviously, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to have breakfast while watching the Chiefs game. I mean, I've never, I've never had breakfast while watching a Chiefs game. I mean, at least I've DVR'd a couple to watch game film. But as far as a live actual Chiefs game, this is the first. Uh, and then, you know, as Chiefs fans, I mean, I'm a, I'm a football fanatic, so I'll watch. I'll tune in throughout the rest of the day. I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to spend my entire day watching football. I have a life. I mean, of course, the World Series, if that continues, I definitely want to catch that. So, I mean, I have a life. I'll go on and off uh, going about my day. But, you know, as, as football fans, how do we go about, you know, having an 830 kickoff game? And then basically the rest of the day, the day what do you do? Uh, in terms of the reason I bring that up is fans love their football. That's why it got the Yahoo in the NFL, like I said, they announced 33.6 million total views for the live stream. That's impressive for a live stream. Are we going in a direction now where live stream is going to be the future? Again, this is a game that was in London too, so I don't know where this is going exactly. The NFL is trying to get something going. Obviously, this is the first test. It's the first live stream ever. So the NFL, obviously, they're one for one in, in situations like this. Now, as far as London goes... Before I touch on that, I do want to touch on what I completely forgot about this. It does lead me to wonder if the NFL or even other sports leagues would entertain this idea even more. Could the NFL do this for more games? Not just London games, but but more games. Would they make it available for postseason games? Obviously, the postseason games happen on the weekend. Uh, you know, Thursday night football. Uh, eventually, you'll have some Saturday games. Would those be available online? I think one of the interesting things with broadcast television and games that are broadcast on TV, college football does something interesting on ESPN where you can go to ESPN to watch the actual game with the broadcasters. And I, if I'm not mistaken, it's going to be Brent Musburger again. But if you want, you can go to ESPN2 and you can see a few of the ESPN panelists, uh, guys like uh, Schlereth, uh, Mike Tirico, several other guys, uh, they're just sitting on a couch at the ESPN headquarters in Bristol, Connecticut, and they're all chatting, and there's also, I mean, th- there's a camera on all of these guys, uh, two at a time, I mean, there's a group of two, another group of two, and another group of two, they're all just sitting there chatting and watching the football game, and then there's another uh, another view of the football game. I mean, that, I thought that multi-view where you, I mean, it's basically the way it looked is like you were sitting at home talking with your buddies watching it or your family. So I don't know exactly where we're going with broadcast television and broadcasting games, whether it's online or having that view where you get another side of panelists basically giving their takes during the game and they're, basically they're they're mic'd up and they're broadcast on TV for that. So I, I don't know uh, the way it looks uh, for the future, but... The NFL is definitely entertaining this idea in some form, and it makes me wonder if other sports leagues are going to follow suit with that. Now, in terms of the whole London deal, this just happened to be, uh, the NFL just happened to choose a game that was in London, and it was early in the day. But as far as your Super Bowl chance, here's the thing with the London games. The NFL is not necessarily promising this to NFL teams, but if you, the owner, allows a home game to be sacrificed, basically your quote-unquote chance goes up for hosting the Super Bowl. Now, we have to keep in mind, a couple of the future Super Bowl dates have already been decided. This February, 
2016, San Francisco at Levi Stadium. That's where uh, the most soon Super Bowl will be. After that, in 2017, it'll be at Reliance Stadium in Houston. In 2018, Minneapolis, they'll have it at their new stadium. So, through 2018, we know where the next three Super Bowls will be. San Francisco, Houston, and Minneapolis. Now, 2019, right now it's open. And surely the NFL will announce soon enough uh, where it'll be. Now, here's the thing that I want to touch on. If you are, if you're promised that your chances go up, now, again, those are just chances, but there are going to be a long list of teams that are going to be waiting for this promise. Because if the NFL pledges that the chances go up, the owners are going to want it. Look, you're not going to give up a home game, in, especially at a place like Arrowhead, where you know you're going to have a sellout, you're going to have a lot of fans there. You better make sure you get something in return. Now, here's why I say that there will be a long list of teams waiting for this promise. I mean, this is not going to work the way you're going to try to promise your team these teams. Because three years ago, in 2012, the Pats visited the Rams. There hasn't been a Super Bowl in St. Louis since. Two years ago, the Vikings and the Jags played each other. Now, I, I, I'm going to get to the Jaguars in a second. But the Vikings are getting that Super Bowl, as I said a moment ago, in 2018 at their new stadium. Last year... The Raiders, Falcons, and Jaguars all gave up home games. This year, the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Chiefs are all giving up a home game. So as of right now, three years ago, Rams gave up a, a Super Bowl. They have not, or pardon me, a home game. They have not received a Super Bowl. St. Louis has not received the Super Bowl. And look, you don't have to, I know the Rams may move. There doesn't have to be an NFL team as long as there's a stadium there. The city of St. Louis gave up a home game. In 2012. 2013, Vikings got a a, a Super Bowl. Now, 2014, the Raiders, Falcons, and Jaguars. They have not been promised anything yet. And look, Oakland, uh, that's that's really not not, not the place that you might want. I mean, they share a stadium with the Athletics. The Falcons, it is indoors, so that'd be a very enticing place. Jacksonville, again, another enticing place because it is in a warm weather city. The NFL wants it, so and look, who knows with uh, after what happened a couple years ago when the NFL had a Super Bowl in New York, or, or Eastern Rutherford, New Jersey, I should say. This year, the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Chiefs are all giving up home games. Arrowhead, again, it's in the Midwest, but... It's enticing because that is a big stadium. Recently renovated, uh, it'd be a great spot. Holds uh, 79,000 fans or, or, or close to that. So it's a pretty big, one of the biggest NFL stadiums we have. Now, you probably have noticed when I said that I want to get to the Jaguars in a second. If you haven't noticed, the Jaguars are playing in London every year. And it disappoints me that the Jaguars are letting the NFL do this to them. But the Jaguars signed a contract in 2012 that they would be willing to give up a home game from 2013 all the way through 2016. Now, you may not know this, but just very recently, less than a week ago, the Jaguars agreed to extend that deal through 2020. So every year through 2020, the Jaguars are giving up a home game. So, And look, the Jacksonville Jaguars are not a great football team. I, I don't live in Jacksonville. I'm not in the Florida area, so I don't know how big of a deal football is to people in the city of Jacksonville. I mean, there are a lot of 
NFL teams in the state of Florida. You've got the Dolphins as well. A lot of sports teams too. I mean, it's a big state, a highly populated state. So there's a lot that goes on uh, in Florida, especially with sports. But with the Jaguars giving up home game every year, the NFL is just using them now at this point. The NFL wants to send teams to London. Now, there's there's been a lot of talk about this, and I don't even understand why this is asked. And I we mentioned this uh, when we had Max Shepman on our show last week, but would an NFL team in London work? Absolutely not, for two reasons. Number one, the travel distance for the, the potential NFL London team, they would lose a day of prep for every road game. Because like I said a moment ago, it takes a long time to get there, or, or, or leave there if you want, to or from the United States. If you're the London team, every single road game, you will lose a day of prep. And then, of course, you have to consider that you are coming back after the game, so you lose a day of prep. You know, think about this. You lose a football game, and the next 12 hours, 13, 14 hours, you're basically going through that airplane process. I mean, that would absolutely suck. That really would. And then for the teams that are visiting the London team, they lose a half day of prep, basically, because they've got to you know, figure out the logistics to get to London. The Detroit Lions earlier this week, they got to London earlier this week. The Chiefs got there on Thursday. So the way NFL teams go about this, some teams get there right a day after uh, the most recent game that they played. Now, here's the second reason why this will not work. Now, obviously... The NFL season, training camp kicks off in late July, preseason games get started in August, and then in September, you've got the regular season kicking off. Right around that time is back to school time, and look, different parts of the country, schools start at different times. For a lot of people, it's mid-August all the way through early September. Now, here's the unfortunate reality of sports is, if someone else just happens to do better than you in training camp or in the preseason games... There's a chance that you get cut, and it'll be unexpected. I mean, you'll be blindsided by this. The thing with a lot of NFL players, and it's unfortunate that this is happening to the NFL, but in the NFL, basically when the season kicks off at the same time, as back to school. So if you get cut, and I mean, let's say you're with a team on the West Coast. Let's say the Raiders. Let's say you get cut by the Raiders, or you get traded to a team on the East Coast, like the Giants, or the Jets, or the Dolphins, the Panthers. I mean, a lot of teams are in the East Coast. You basically have to move your life all the way from one coast to the other. I was watching the Tony Gonzalez documentary, uh, which I touched on uh, a couple episodes ago. Check it out if you haven't. Tony Gonzalez at one point, I mean, he's in his apartment in Atlanta, and the caption says, Tony's football apartment. Tony, Tony Gonzalez, and he even did this in Kansas City, I mean, in the offseason, he and his family reside in California. So, when he's when he was playing for the Chiefs or the Falcons, he would basically have an apartment to himself just for the regular season. And obviously, the and obviously OTAs as well. But I mean, look, it's not easy paying for one apartment in one place and then another in your real home. So that's one thing NFL players go through. If you get traded from one side to one coast to the other, you basically will have to wonder what's your life going to be like. Your kid just started school. I mean, for those who have kids in the NFL, your kid just started school 
uh, you know, you, your wife, well, what's her situation like? I mean, is he, is she working full time? So there's so much that goes into this. And if an NFL player gets traded from the chiefs to London, that is a huge change. That's a huge adjustment to life. And, and I've heard a lot of people say living in London is pretty darn expensive and it all goes to one lady. Uh, listen, I, you, you're just that's just not going to work. Now, the NFL is considering a series, uh, an international series in Mexico City. Okay, sure, that's that's a little more feasible because it's in the North America. And look, we have the Toronto Blue Jays, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Raptors. So when you have when you you see the Royals or the San Antonio Spurs go play a team in Canada, such as the Raptors or the Blue Jays, it's a little easy because they're in North America. So if an, if the NFL was considering a team in Toronto, I would not mind it. I do, however, still have a beef with having an international series in Mexico City because. Teams are still giving up home games. Remember a couple years, it was the I think it was the first event ever since this, uh, Arrowhead was renovated. Sporting Kansas City, and at the time they were named the Wizards, they played Manchester United. Now Manchester United came to Arrowhead Stadium, and they had their starters in the first half. In the second half, they put in their B squad. They put in the backups. So Manchester United didn't come to the United States and give us their A-team. So why does the NFL have to do that? Again, I understand that the NFL wants to see Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. They want to see Jamal Charles. They want to see those guys, the top guys, top-notch players. They don't want to see Aaron Murray and Brock Osweiler and the McCown brothers. Okay, I get that. They don't want to see those guys. But that's their problem. That shouldn't be on the NFL and the American fans. Again, I, I get that the NFL interest in London, it, it's huge. Tickets sell out quickly for those events. But this is America's sport. You don't see all those European soccer leagues bringing their sport to the United States. So I don't know what the NFL is trying to get out of this international series. Again, I, I get that it benefits the NFL, but shouldn't you think of your fans first? I mean, your real fans, the American fans who have been watching the sport from where it all started and has continued this. And then from generation to generation, you pass it on to the kids, then they pass it on to their kids. So why is it that? And again, I understand people, you know, they live in the United States. Next thing you know, they they live in Europe. So maybe maybe there are Chiefs fans in London. I'm not I'm not doubting that. And I'm and I'm not talking about. Guys who just become a Chiefs fan just because the team is playing in London this week. I'm talking about guys who lived in Kansas City and have moved to London. The thing is, this is America's sport. Shouldn't be played anywhere else. If you, if you want to have it played elsewhere, let's get a preseason game there. I couldn't care less if the Chiefs lost a preseason game. And I don't think any of the other 31 fan bases would care if that if their team lost a preseason game at home. Now I would I would have to entertain the idea and not that it's up to me or anything but I would have to say you would you would have to entertain the idea of extending the whole preseason a little bit longer because of the traveling to and from London but or or other places if they want to involve Mexico City, Toronto, 
you know, anywhere else where, I mean, I, I don't know what the interest is like in Beijing for the NFL. I really don't. But if there are other places, sure, let, let's have a few preseason games there. Let's not give them our regular season games. Let's keep it here in the United States. Let's have our fans, we, pay for those games. Sure, it'll sell out in London because they only get a couple games now. But still, let's keep it in the United States. And look, sure, the Jaguars, I guess they're profiting from this because, or maybe the NFL is profiting from this because if the Jaguars were at home, would it be a sellout? No. Okay? Because Jacksonville is not really a, a, a good football team right now. So the interest is probably not as high. Whereas in London, hey, look, those London fans, they don't get many games. It was kind of like the, the Pro Bowl in Hawaii. They only Hawaii only got one game. Now it's different because the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl are now in the same city, but Hawaii only got one game, and it was the game where players honestly didn't give much of an effort. But they still went because they got to see some of the best players, and then, of course, autograph events where really you're getting the best of the best. I'm just not a big fan of the international series. I understand wanting to expand, but the NFL is not going to work. You're not going to have an NFL team in Europe. If, if if Europe really wants the NFL, you had NFL Europe, and it doesn't exist anymore. Again, I understand those were all backups, guys in the bottom of their depth charts. That's not the problem. That's not an issue for us Americans. Now, if you're an international fan listening to the podcast, which I know we've had many of those in the past, look, I'm sorry, but I just feel like the sport needs to stay here. In this country, during the regular season, if they ever have a Super Bowl in London, there's going to be a lot of outrage. I'm surprised I have not heard about a lot of outrage from previous NFL teams who have given up a home game. When the Chiefs did lose an NFL home uh, a home game, it didn't make national news by the national media. It was just locally. So I'm get, I'm sure it. I'm sure fans were outraged and it made local news. It just never got to the national circuit. If an NFL game, a Super Bowl to be specific, is in London, there will be a lot of hell and a lot of backlash from fans. I guarantee you, there are a lot of players in that Chiefs locker room who hate having to travel to London for this game. I mean, the traveling, all that stuff, the preparation, the the legroom and the airplane, all that stuff. Coaches, look, NFL coaches have to speak out positively about these kinds of things. But deep down inside, there is no doubt in my mind that coaches hate this. They are losing a full day of preparation. It's not easy having to give up that much. Look, it's hard enough in the NFL for road teams because they lose half a day. This time you're losing a full day because getting to London takes longer. So this whole dynamic of the NFL trying to expand, the NFL is thinking for itself. The NFL is not thinking for the players or the team when it comes to the international series. I don't mean to go on a long rant about this, but I just had to get it out there. I'm just not a big fan of the international series. Let me know what you think. Interact with me on social media. Like my Facebook page, Farzine Vesugian. Let me know on there or tweet me at Farzine21. Follow me on there and let me know your thoughts on the international series. I just think the game needs to be kept in the United States. All right, let's go into our preview now. The Chiefs and the Lions. A lot to get into with this. And again, we, we're, we're going pretty long on this podcast, so uh, we'll, we'll uh, get into it right now. The biggest news about this game, or going into it, and I'm sure it will be brought up during the broadcast, 
The Detroit Lions fired offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi and offensive line coaches Jeremiah Washburn and Terry Heffernan before the team was scheduled to leave for London. So uh, right before the team uh, packed their bags, uh, three of their assistants were terminated on the offensive side. Lions do promote Jim Bob Cooter as offensive coordinator. Yes, the Jim Bob Cooter. The same Jim Bob Cooter who was the quality control coach for the Chiefs in 2012. So Jim Bob Cooter... Uh, he's, he's stepping up in, in the ranks as, in the NFL. He was, as I said, uh, with the Chiefs in 2012 as an offensive assistant and then went to Denver and uh, was, uh, I don't know what he was exactly, but he was also an offensive assistant. He was a QB coach for the Lions last year. Now he's the offensive coordinator. So Jim Bob Cooter uh, got one of the greatest names in the NFL stepping up his game in the NFL as a coach. Uh, so Detroit, we'll see what they do. They're 20th in offense uh, yards per game and 29th in scoring strong passing game uh, that is seventh but the rushing game is dead last Amir Abdullah the rookie 222 rushing yards Zach Zenner the rookie from South Dakota State 60 rushing yards I'm sure KU and MU fans both remember Zach Zenner very well if you follow KU football or MU football very well uh, in um, I don't know if South Dakota State played K-State in any of their non-conference games in week one but Zach Zenner uh, I mean, this is a really good good running back. Uh, came from a small college, so he doesn't get a lot of the exposure that the Big 12 or SEC players get. But Zenner can do a lot of things. He's second on the team in rushing yards with 60. So he hasn't got a lot of playing time. But as an undrafted player, able to squeeze through the uh, roster cuts. So he's with the Lions. So you never know with that guy's speed. I mean, he th- this guy is pretty fast. Uh, I don't think he makes an impact. But if he does get the ball, watch for him. I've seen him in person twice. Uh, that guy is pretty good. Uh, Theo Riddick is the starter, uh, one of the players, gets a lot of playing time, had an eight-catch game against Denver, a 10-reception game against the Cardinals. He's starting to run the ball uh, more lately for the Lions, and running back coach Curtis Modkins, who, by the way, was with the Chiefs in 2008, he was also uh, coming in with Shane Gailey because Gailey was the head coach of or pardon me, the offensive coordinator for Georgia Tech, and then a few Georgia Tech assistants followed Chan Gailey. Curtis Modkins was one of them. Modkins is now with the Lions. He's the running backs coach there. And um, some some uh, some commonalities with Jim Bob Cooter, Curtis Modkins, Gunther Cunningham. I'll get to Cunningham in a moment. Uh, but with Jim Bob Cooter, this is his first game as the offensive coordinator, and he will uh, handle play calling, as uh, reported by Ian Rappaport. Will we see more of Reddick? I think that's something the Lions will definitely look into doing more of uh, because Reddick has really showed a lot of, I don't want to say, I don't want to say dominance, but he's getting the ball a lot more. So I think they want to keep him active in this game. The passing game, like I said, very strong. We all know about Calvin Johnson, who has 574 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Theo Reddick and Golden Tate each have 318 receiving yards. Reddick has 36 catches. That's two more than Tate. Who has 34, so very active passing game. And, you know, when you have Matthew Stafford airing the ball so much, going pass heavy, you'll have that. Uh, another pass catcher to keep an uh, eye on is tight end Eric Abron. Uh, definitely want to look out for him. He's got 20 catches, uh, not a lot, 268 yards. However, he co-leads the team in touchdowns with three, tying Calvin Johnson on the team. So, 
Among his 20 catches, very few cat, very few receptions so far this year. Three of them have gone for touchdowns. So um, they, they looked for him in the end zone quite a bit. So this is a guy who the Chiefs definitely need to keep an eye on, especially in red zone situations. Now Stafford, oh boy, I mean, he's a pretty good quarterback. He's in the top 10 in the league in completions, passing yards, and touchdowns. However, he's also in the top 10 in interceptions. He ties third with Andrew Luck, who we talked about just a moment ago. Not a good season for him so far. Ties third with Andrew Luck with nine on the season behind Sam Bradford. And, uh, of course, uh, we all saw this coming. Then we Peyton Manning uh, collating Sam, uh, with Sam Bradford in interceptions. Detroit, this could be the deciding factor as to whether or not the Chiefs win this game. Detroit has a minus seven turnover ratio. That's the third worst in the NFL. Now, defensively, Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator, along with a uh, long-time defensive coordinator who's now an assistant, he's the senior coaching assistant. That's his exact title. He's still with the Detroit Lions. And look, Detroit's got a really good defensive line. I'm not a big fan of Detroit's defense, but that defensive line, I think that could give Kansas City some problems. Ezekiel Ansah, he has six sacks on the season, which he leads the team in. Uh, also has three forced fumbles. He leads the team in that category as well. He's fourth in the NFL in sacks with three others tied for first place with six and a half. Uh, so Ansaw is one of the best right now in the NFL in terms of uh, just a pure pass rusher. And the Lions do have a good supporting cast for him. Daryl Tapp, Jason Jones, and Devin Taylor on that defensive front combined for four sacks and two forced fumbles. So... That defensive front, I mean, in, in terms of just the key players, the starters, all have had 10 sacks on the season together. Again, like I said, Ansa has six on the season. So when you consider Ansa and the guys he has, uh, that supporting cast, that's a pretty good that's a pretty good group of defensive players right there. So I think when you look at Kansas City's offensive line, and again, they made that switch with Donald Stevenson going to Jeff Allen and Eric Fisher. Going to left tackle, Eric Fisher kind of been up and down. Nothing great from him this year quite yet, but this is a defense that I think can cause some problems. Steven Tula continues to perform at a high level. He really one of the best interior linebackers next to Derek Johnson and a couple other guys. Uh, he's really good against the run. That's really where he excels, and that's really where his value is uh, for, for the Lions. Secondary, not too great for Detroit. Looking at their cornerbacks, you've got Slay and Mathis. Uh, I mean, they're, let, let, let's say it the way it is. They're bad cornerbacks. They really are. Uh, safety, Glover Quinn, not bad. Leads the team with two picks. Also has a touchdown on the season. But I think when you consider how Chris Conley and Albert Wilson played during Jeremy Macklin's absence. Now, Macklin, it seemed like he was about to play. The Chiefs kind of wanted to hold him off. Just uh, precautionary. So, considering that it was precautionary and that he could have gone if the Chiefs needed him, I think Jeremy Macklin will be available for this game. And, and look, what we learned last week against a, 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 a solid, good Detroit, de- uh, pardon me, uh, Pittsburgh defense, when you consider Detroit's defense, I mean, there, there are reasons to feel good about Jeremy Macklin having a good game. And if Chris Conley and Albert Wilson can carry that confidence and that swagger over to this game, Kansas City's wide receivers could have a, a good game against this Detroit defense. Now, special teams, Matt Prater, one of the best kickers in the NFL, 7-for-7 seven seven on the season. Amir Abdullah has the second-most kicker turn yards in the NFL with 385. Uh, one thing about 
him, though. Among the top four kick returners in the NFL, in terms of yardage, he's the only one who does not have a touchdown off of a kickoff return. So still looking forward to, to, to getting that for Amir Abdullah. Now, as far as the Chiefs' offense goes, like I said, uh, I mean, this is an offense that I think in the passing game can definitely look to make some plays without Jamal Charles. Do you really trust Sharkandrick West much? And by the way, I forgot to get into this. A lot of people are asking, where's Niall Davis? And and I someone on the Facebook page asked me about this and said, Niall Davis is a, quote, damn good running back. And, and listen, guys, if he was a damn good running back, he'd be starting. Trust me. I know a lot of you guys are criticizing Andy Reid, but... Coaches know what they're doing, and sometimes there are players that are in the bottom of the depth chart. One day, they get their starting role, and they start doing well. Jamal Charles is that guy. Larry Johnson was that guy. Coincidentally, Jamal Charles took over for him. So it does happen in the NFL, but listen, Niall Davis has a a 3.5 yard per carry average in his NFL career. He had a a 3.5 yard per carry average his rookie season, and the same exact yard per carry average his second season in the NFL. So Niall Davis, he's had a couple flashes when filling in for Charles, but it hasn't been consistent uh, from Niall Davis. I've talked about this before. Flashes are great. Consistency is really what defines a player, and the Chiefs haven't had that from Niall Davis. So, so Sharkander, and also the ankle injury kind of playing a role in this. But look, he's out there playing. Uh, if it was serious, the Chiefs would have held him off. But nonetheless, Chiefs are going with Sharkandrick West. But again, even so, the Chiefs just don't seem confident in that running game. So they're probably going to go pass heavy, especially against a very weak secondary. If if that offensive line could hold off with the pass rushers there with Ansah and the rest of the guys behind him, I think Kansas City can have a good game through the air. Now defensively, uh, look, uh, we all know where Kansas City has the best players, it, 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 the linebackers. You've got to get Tom Bahali and Justin Houston. Justin Houston has been kind of quiet. He's getting out after the quarterback, just not in terms of sacks, but he's out there getting quarterback pressures. Tom Bahali had a great game against Landry Jones in that Pittsburgh Steelers offense. So, so you definitely want to see that from Tom Bahali more. Even though he's getting a little bit older, you want to see him kind of end on a good note, especially with what he did in the offseason, take that contract cut just to stay in Kansas City. Uh, and Justin Houston, you want him to step up a little bit more. And of course, when you have good pass rushers, you know your secondary is going to be good. And the Chiefs have good players in the secondary. You've had uh, Ron Parker make a few plays. Marcus Peters, one of the leaders in the NFL in interceptions, has three coming into this game. So Marcus Peters has been very good this year. Eric Berry just recently got his first interception. But look, interceptions are not the only thing. Sure, that's where players get a, a lot of their glory. But uh, Eric Berry's been very good in coverage this year. One of the best safeties in the NFL. So uh, in terms of uh, coverage, Eric Berry's a good cover safety. And I think he's going to do fine even against this high-powered Detroit passing game uh, with Calvin Johnson, uh, Golden Tate, you know, all, all those guys. I think... Eric Berry will handle it well, trying to work with the cornerbacks in this game. Hopefully, Sean Smith plays a little bit better. We haven't seen so much of uh, last year's version of Sean Smith when he was a top-five cornerback snubbed of a Pro Bowl invite, by the way. But we'll see that. I I, I think Eric Berry is going to do fine. The thing that really gets me the most is, number one, the new offensive coordinator. Uh, short week to do it, especially, again, with the, the travel to London. You don't get a lot of preparation time. Listen... Let's face it, none of us want to prepare on an airplane. I I remember once I was a, a KU student, I was taking a summer class, and I was coming back, and I held, I pushed off my homework, and I said, you know what, I'll just do it on the plane. I never did it on the plane, all right? Look, it, it, 
in the airplane, we all want to just listen to our music and go to sleep. No one wants to do anything productive in in, uh, in space like that. But look, you're not going to prepare on the airplane. The game plan is just not going to happen there. So you're losing preparation time, and this is your first week as the offensive coordinator. You're getting a go at it, and you don't have a lot of time to do so. Again, we've seen crazy situations where the Chiefs fired Todd Haley, and then within six days... Romeo Cornell is the interim head coach, and Kyle Orton is the new quarterback, and they hand Green Bay its first loss of the season. So we'll see. I mean, I'm not saying that's a guarantee, but it doesn't bode well. Uh, Riley Reef is a good offensive lineman, but the rest of Detroit's offensive line is average, and uh, I, I think Jim Bob Cooter's got to be ready for this pass rush. Uh, as a former offensive assistant here in Kansas City, he's very familiar with that Kansas City defense. Number two, so many turnovers. 18 turnovers by Detroit. That's the most in the league. Kansas City's got to take advantage of that. And then Detroit, biggest thing, 27th in total defense, 29th in points per game. Some of the non-starters shined last week on Casey's offense. As I mentioned, with Chris Conley and Albert Wilson, Kendrick West got going last week. We'll see if he can continue that. I just think Kansas City goes pass heavy in this one. But given some of the issues that Detroit has, I think Kansas City can form a winning streak. Uh, Kansas City's first uh, winning streak of the season. So I'm going to pick the Chiefs to win this one in London. I'm going to go in terms of a score. Look, why not uh, in the 20s? I think it'll be somewhat of a close game. I think Kansas City finishes out on top 27 to 20, giving the fans in London a good game to watch. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. I'm Farzine Vesugian. Like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. And also give me a follow on Twitter at Farzine21. Big thanks again for listening to this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. We will talk to you next week. It'll be out early, so as soon as the Chiefs game is over, I'll be able to record on Sunday. So hopefully it'll be out Sunday evening or Monday morning. The Chiefs Zone Podcast will be out, and then we'll recap the first half of the season since the Chiefs will be on a bye. That'll be ahead on the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Hopefully the Royals wrap up the World Series and win by the time we have our next podcast. That'll do it. Enjoy the weekend, root for Kansas City, and hopefully those college teams can get back on track to winning a game. Talk to you next week. Take care.